Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. With many companies restructuring their workforce following the coronavirus pandemic, total reward data is of vital importance and employers can be left blind without a full grasp of employee costs. Any cost reduction may be much larger than otherwise thought if it is purely based on core compensation components, i.e. salary. Too few global companies have a good grip on their people costs. This is mainly due to the increasingly siloed data sources where human capital costs lie, which makes it difficult for organisations to get an effective data overview. We're living through a moment in history when companies, the economy and society at large are looking for HR to help. It falls on HR to make savings and sadly, the most straightforward way to cut costs might be to reduce headcount. Despite this reality, in the face of a pandemic, it is HR's role to at least explore all other options first. And this requires absolute mastery of the incredibly complex data in many dispersed reward systems. In this HR chat interview, we're going to consider why total reward data is an important resource for organisations trying to respond to the impact of COVID-19 without being scared into abandoning loyal, engaged and highly skilled employees. And my guests today are Uflex Reward CEO Ken Charman and Peter Newhouse, Global Head of Rewards at Unilever. Ken and Peter, welcome to the HR Chat Show. Hello, Bill. Great to be here, Bill. Okay, uh, so ladies and gentlemen, today we have two guests, which sometimes happens. Usually it's a one-on-one conversation, Um, but to help me, because uh, uh, I do need help sometimes, um, I am... I've spoke to the chaps ahead of time and um, what we're going to do is, although we've got two guests, we're going to split up the questions largely. So one is geared at Ken and one is geared at Peter with a couple in there, which uh, Peter and Ken will both be tackling uh, at different times. But um, firstly, Ken, I'd love to hear from you in 60 seconds or less. Can you can you tell our listeners a bit about Uflex Rewards and how it helps HR pros and leaders? Yeah, sure, sure. Bill, no trouble. 60 seconds or less. Easy. Um, (laughs) Holds real-time total reward data in detail for every employee in a global firm, uh, and 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 everybody might be thinking, so what? Um, uh, surely every company has that, but actually they don't. Um, what I'm talking about is all reward, not just pay, but the details of everything: bonus, pensions, different types of benefits, stock shares, recognition in every country, in every entity in the business, down to the individual employee. And because that data is so scattered around in different systems across the globe uh, that don't talk to each other, most big global multinationals don't have a single source for that data. Um, So um, and then that means uh, if you can't see it, you can't control it. If your employees uh, can't see what they're being rewarded when they want to see it, uh, then there's a chance that they're not as engaged uh, and they're not as well informed as they need to be. Uh, about what a great investment that the company is making in them. So bringing that all together was a huge achievement, uh, which Unilever uh, decided to make. There wasn't a system on the market uh, that did this. So uh, rather unusually for an ice cream company, Unilever decided to get into enterprise IT and build a, a rather complex consolidation system that gave them access to that information. And of course, data is 
is the lifeblood of a business. So HR pros and leaders in Unilever have access to all employee reward data for every employee in a way uh, that their, their peers probably struggle, in fact, almost certainly struggle to get their hands on. That's a huge advantage. Wonderful. Thank you. I think that was about 75 seconds, Ken, but I'll forgive you there because it was a pretty good answer. Uh, and uh, Ken, again, uh, I'd, I'd love to hear from you a bit more. You, you touched upon it there. You hinted at it there. Uh, Uflex was conceptualized and spun out at Unilever. Can you, can you now take a couple of minutes and, and share that story with our listeners today? Yeah, I might even involve Peter in it at some point, uh, but I, I, I'll tell it and he can correct me if I'm wrong. It's Peter's story, really, because Peter joined Unilever about 10 years ago as the head of Global Reward. Uh, and when he started asking questions uh, about um, uh, drilling down into data on employee reward, uh, he found uh, that the response was, well, uh, we, we, we aggregate it once a year and we give employees a once a year manually produced total reward statement. Uh, but because the data is so scattered around, um, it, it, we don't have it on a regular basis. And, and you can't ask ad hoc questions and you can't query and filter uh, with total reward data in the way you're asking. Maybe payroll, but not total reward data. So Peter then uh, decided he'd buy a system and did that. And then he couldn't because there isn't one. Uh, so at that point, um, he uh, got the company wallet out and said, uh, we'll make one. Uh, so uh, it, it was a couple of years of investment. It was a huge technical mountain to climb, uh, but, uh, but, the, but the summit was scaled um, and the, the, the product became a great uh, data asset to Unilever. Um, and for about six, seven years, that was a good story. Uh, but then uh, a couple of years ago, um, the future of work came along uh, with some requirements to do some really wacky things in terms of personalizing reward data in a very uh, detailed and, and broad way. Uh, and in order to do that, the system um, really needed to be restructured. Uh, once again, Peter looked around the market, uh, couldn't find anything that did it. Unilever decided to build it again, but this time uh, because it understood the value of this um, on the on a, a wider scale, it did so in a way that it could be uh, turned into a business, uh, and and the product could be sold to uh, peer organisations. Um, so our sponsors for this are um, from the top level in the company: the CHRO, Lena Nair, and CFO Graham Pickesley are, are behind us, um, uh, and we're taking this product, uh, which gives you infinite detail on reward data for employees uh, to the market. Um, so, uh, and if you're wondering why Unilever's done that in, uh, alongside all its consumer products, well, it's because Unilever regards this as a digital platform business. That's something uh, that it wants to build its muscles up on. Um, and we are an important new example of how Unilever can spin out internal innovation into the market very quickly, very dynamically, uh, and um, in this case, it's an HR product, um, but why not? Uh, it, it's a good business, so let, let's go to the market with it. Awesome. Thank you. And I'm, I'm assuming then as part of the recognition and rewards, uh, the best employees get free ice cream. Is, is that right? <laughs> yeah, we it, supply a lot of ice cream in, in our uh, offices. So, yes, that's true. That is, uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, Peter, um, you, you may want to add a little bit to what to what Ken said there about the the genesis of uh, Uflex Reward. But I'd also love to hear from you now. H how has the platform become so instrumental at Unilever today? Yeah, and I mean, Ken tells the story brilliantly. Uh, that's very much the way that we put it together. Uh, when I joined Unilever, I could read in the back of the annual report that we spent six and a half billion euros a year on pay. And I thought, wow, that's a lot of money. I wonder where that all goes and what people think of it. But we didn't have any data either on how we distributed that spend or indeed much feedback on what people thought about it. So one of the projects that I inherited when I joined was to provide managers with a total reward statement. And I thought at the time, well, that's a pretty dull, boring kind of project to have to get involved in because it's a lot of work. And as soon as you finished it, it's all out of date. And then the next year you have to do it all over again. So it's an incredible grind to produce for a reward team. So I thought the best way of doing this would be to try to create a system, put it into real time, make it accessible 24 seven. And that's really what we did. And in the process, you know, we learned a lot about what, what we were spending in reward. A lot of big companies compartmentalize reward into a geographic proposition or a senior executive proposition. We wanted to look at the whole spend of reward globally at the same time. And we also look at reward as being a consumer item. I mean, people consume reward in the same kind of way as they consume other goods and services. And we would never dream of putting anything on the market without getting some good feedback first. And so one of the things we introduced very early on was um, feedback from people. You know, what, what do you value in your reward package? Because obviously, if you're not valuing what we're spending money on, then we're wasting our money on giving you things that you don't like. And so with the combination of information about how we spend money, feedback from the employees, we are able to fine tune the proposition and make the rewards uh, much more valuable to people. And that's really the journey we've been on for the last 10 years. Okay, wonderful. Now, as, as I mentioned in my introduction, uh, times, are, times are pretty tough right now and HR professionals are, uh, trying to find ways not to not to go straight to um, what's perhaps the easiest short-term fix, which is laying people off. I, I'd love to hear from both of you now. Um, perhaps, Peter, you'd like to go first on this. In, in terms of why is total rewards data especially critical at the moment for organizations trying to respond to the impact of COVID-19 in, in a way that doesn't mean losing their, their best, their most engaged, their most talented people? Well, again, I think feedback is hugely important, you know, because otherwise the, the risk is that you simply uh, try to control costs by reducing a headcount and losing jobs unnecessarily at this time would be disastrous for the economy generally. You know, we really don't want to do that. So if we have better information about what we're spending our money on and also feedback from people, we can be a lot more targeted about how we respond rather than simply you know, using a blanket response that isn't very productive in the long term. Uh, I think it's also got to be said, Bill, that, that reward data is important at all times. And this simply highlights a need that we have anyway. And very sadly, I think a lot of organizations don't respond to that need adequately. They don't have enough information about what they're doing with reward. It's a bit of a black box inside the organization. And yet it represents such a high proportion of total costs. It seems absurd that we don't have the capability generally to examine that expenditure 
in more detail. And that's really what our system is able to do. Okay, thank you. Ken, would you like to add anything to that? Yeah, I, I think I, I support everything Peter said. Uh, but <clears throat> from our point of view, it's the perfect illustration of of why data is so important. Data data determines your future. And if you're faced with the demand to cut people costs by 20%, what 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 can HR do uh, or reward do at the moment? In most companies, um, they can't even see 30% of what's spent on reward because it's outside of payroll, it's in pensions, benefits, shares, options, recognition. It, it, so really what they do is they take fix, they take payroll, uh, and then they make assumptions, they scale up on the other things as though you can scale up. But of course, Peter knows, we know uh, that there's huge skews in all those other types of rewards. So if you really want to approach this like you're a, uh, a surgeon, uh, and you, 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 you're not looking to cut twenty percent of cost by you know, putting an axe through a limb, which can't be put back on. It's much better to attack the detail and find, I don't know, twenty things that you can cut by one percent because the feedback says people are willing to absorb that, and then you can keep that capacity, which you might need very quickly. You know, even in the press in the last. 24 hours, we've seen a breakthrough in treatment of COVID uh, with interferon B, um, and we've also seen really good vaccine results. It could be that in less than 12 months, those people that companies are saying goodbye to now are vitally needed again. Uh, so a temporary change uh, to different profiles of reward for different profiles of people might be a better way to manage this. But if, if you haven't got the data, you can't do that. So um, it, it's, a, it's a great example of why data gives you power. Um, it, it's a very tragic example of that, but uh, actually that question comes along all, all the time. It, it, it is another, in another area, the question about detail of reward um, is uh, at the front of everybody's consciousness at the moment in terms of pay equity uh, and, and companies going back to the books to making sure that uh, to make sure they're living up to their rhetoric on equal opportunity and equal pay. Well, if you haven't got access to all reward data for all employees, you're working on assumptions, you're working on samples, you 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 aren't you you might not be a fair employer. You might also be uh, sitting on top of concealed liabilities. You you've got to have the data. Yeah, that's a great point. So I, I guess what you're saying towards the end there is uh, using technology like Uflex Reward can can potentially also strip out some uh, otherwise inherent biases within within leadership teams. Um, yeah, yeah no, that's, that's uh, absolutely right. So P Peter's in a position to ask any question he wants. He can he can using the HR database, your employee HR profiles, which contain. You know, they're going to contain many of the identifying factors of 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 human of human beings, human capital, people, employees, our friends and colleagues, and then you can you can run any query you want. Yeah, left-handed people working in accounts who have got five years' experience versus right-handed. It it's just a it's just a query in a database to us. Uh, but um, even the basics, even. It's surprising how many companies struggle with just gender pay gap reporting, uh, and that's been around for a while. Now we're expanding this to many other profiles uh, that they're really going to be up against it. 
Oh man, I'm, I'm not sure about those left-handed people. They're far too creative. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Peter, uh, back, back to you again. As as the workforce has moved to remote working over the last few months, can you can you offer some insights into how rewards can be applied to, to agile working practices over the coming months and and, and into 2021? And it's interesting. I, I've I've been interviewing. Uh, quite a few people about this recently, including a guy called Jeff Wold, who said that the long-term trends here are uh, a move from 4% of all remote workers to, to a workforce of at least 8%, uh, well after the, the pandemic is is over. So, yeah, this is here to stay. Um, so I'm sure the insights that you're going you're gonna to offer now are, are, are important for the years to come. Well, I think that um, COVID has sort of accelerated trends that were already there, you know, some of them good, some of them bad. And so those organizations that previously embraced Agile with a small A, and what I mean by that is flexible working practices, uh, clearly in a better position to embrace the need to do more of that currently because of the pandemic. But then, of course, you've got Agile with a big A, which is Agile ways of working and adopting a more, uh, a, a more subtle approach to doing the work that needs to be done in the organization. And what I mean by that is that traditionally we've been flowing the work through the organization to the people responsible for getting it done. And what we're doing increasingly now is flowing the people that we have available to the work that needs to be done. So an example for Unilever, you know, we have definitely had a variable impact from COVID-19 on our portfolio business. We've got some areas like ice cream, out of home sales, clearly uh, heavily impacted because people aren't going out of their homes and they're not going on holiday. And so therefore that kind of uh, sale is, is harder to achieve. And therefore we've been redeploying people from that part of the business to other parts of the business like hand sanitizer, cleaning products, where we have a huge surge in demand. And so the ability to shift people agilely with a big A from one part of the organization to another is now really key. And that clearly raises issues around reward. It's all very well at the moment to say, well, we're not going to make any changes. But in the longer run, we do need a much more flexible approach to reward generally to accommodate Agile with a big A. Um, earlier this year, I was instrumental in putting on a conference in London to look at how reward can respond to, to Agile ways of working. And that's fascinating. I mean, if you look at the, the history of Agile as being a a software development technique. It started with principles and a kind of manifesto. And I think we need something similar, Bill, for reward. We need uh, a manifesto and principles for agile reward that gives employees far more flexibility in how they receive their reward in the future compared to how we did things in the past. And I think the pandemic simply puts a, a, a very big magnifying glass over that need and makes it more real for us. So I think that will come out next year and in the years after. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, so, Ken, we we've, we started touching on earlier uh, ways to avoid having to get rid of your best people, but I understand that uh, Uflex Reward is, is running a COVID-19 reward war game, a realistic simulation that can be used by reward practitioners, business execs, employees, and the general public to explore whether it's possible to cut people costs without those mass redundancies. Can you tell our listeners a bit more about that? Yeah, that would be, be a pleasure. I mean, this, this is the big subject. You know, it's, it's in the news every day, isn't it, at the moment? And, and you wince when you, you, you hit, hear the headline, X thousand people uh, might be losing their jobs. Um, and, I, and I think it's like one of those things, like being the England football team manager, everybody thinks they can do it better. 
uh, than the than the person who's got the the decisions um, uh, in front of them. Uh, so um, as we've been providing data on this subject to HR uh, leaders in the last few months, uh, we thought, why not create a version of this uh, which could be um, played by uh, HR leaders who want a safe environment to try out new ideas um, uh, and imagine new ways of saving money uh, to help other executives and managers in a business understand uh, the real challenge, uh, because some of the ideas they suggest are very creative, but they don't really save much money. Um, uh, and also allow employees, the general public, politicians, anybody who's got an interest in this subject, uh, a chance to see the complexities and contribute their ideas uh, 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 to find new ways to uh, uh, avoid uh, the, the nuclear option. Um, so we created uh, a simulated company, a global firm of 50,000 employees with really realistic data. So uh, different profiles of grades, jobs, uh, pay scales around the world, um, uh, put all the stakeholders that are involved in this into the game. So uh, HR, reward, um, the, the senior execs, shareholders, employees, customers, suppliers, government, they've all got a position uh, a, a perspective on what you're going to do and then you're thrown um, you're thrown the hand grenade uh, you've got to cut structural cost of people uh, by 20 percent um, but we don't want any redundancies now it's so important because people cost is about 20 25 percent of the overall expenditure in, in in global firms so it's the biggest cost item on the PL. you can't escape you have to cut it but how can you cut it in a way um, which is uh, responsible, um, uh, caring, preserves the jobs, you know. And, and the, the moment you start going into the things that you thought were a great idea, you bump into obstacles. So the the game is a real education tool. Uh, so it, it 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 spreads awareness and knowledge of the challenge that's being faced by leaders in HR. But it's also an environment in which we can get, and we have got. Uh, some really creative, very good ideas which can be used in the real world. So we, we only launched it last week. Anybody can go to our website and download it, um, participate in the game. Um, uh, we, we've already had over 500 um, registrations, actually from around the world, main, mainly from HR, but also from other walks. Uh, and we're busily playing the game. We're, we're playing the environment back to the players and giving them reports on progress. Um, but if you want to know why detailed reward data is important, um, then try playing this game. Because if you haven't got that detail and data at your fingertips, you, you, you might find yourself being backed into the corner that, uh, uh, that, that, that some companies are in the real world now, which is we, we've got to do something. We've only got a certain amount of time to do it. We've only got a certain number of people in HR to do things with. Unfortunately, the one thing we know that always works is redundancy. Uh, so, you know, we, we press that, we, we pull that lever. Um, and, and, and the game really should be, this, this is the time for HR uh, to stand up and be heroes uh, and prove to the world that it can, it can save, um, save jobs, save the pressure that goes with job losses, uh, preserve capacity in companies, support the economy you know this is this is if you wanted to be a hero um and you work in hr this is your your chance you know you've got your 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 center stage 
uh, let's let's show the world that we can do this. Uh, and and the world game gives you a chance to um, uh, look for new ways and, and experience that. Okay, brilliant. And um, I, I reckon we could probably share the link to that game in our show notes so our listeners can can find it there too. Uh, a couple more questions for you, chaps, before we wrap up for today. Peter, well, why, why do you believe that the – just a small question here. Uh, why do you believe the traditional package of a fixed salary and one-size-fits-all benefit is now archaic? Yeah, well, I think to me this is a story of uh, di diversity and inclusion. I mean, to me um, – you know, the great thing about humanity is that everybody's different. And when you really think about motivation, we all have our own ways of being motivated. It's not absolutely true that everybody's going to be motivated by the same kind of incentive plan. And at different times of your life, different things are important. At some stage, it's more important to you to get a bigger house, to buy a bigger car, because you're starting a family, that kind of thing. You need more fixed pay. At other times in your life, you can afford to take more risks, and you might find incentive pay more engaging so everybody's different and even people are different over time so i think that what we need to do is to develop a lot more flexibility in our reward proposition to make it genuinely valuable to people and responsive to those differences that they face during the course of their life and so therefore i think this whole one-size-fits-all thing is really wasteful in terms of what you're spending on reward as an organization if we can personalize the proposition the chances of making it valuable to the individual is so much higher. And we're just not wasting so much money on reward uh, that isn't effective. I can give you specific examples uh, until the cows come home, but I'll just do one because I think it's quite a good one. If my partner has full medical cover for the family, and so do I, uh, because both of our employers are paternalistic and believe that's the right thing for us to receive, then one of those covers is completely wasted. And so to, for, for an organization to be mature enough to be able to say, I'll let you choose whether you actually take that benefit or whether you transfer that money to something that you find more valuable, to have that maturity is wisdom. And I think that if we can use our money more wisely and allow people to make that choice for themselves rather than people like me making it for them, I think everything would be greatly improved. And that's why I believe that the one-size-fits-all approach is archaic. Absolutely. And um, maybe childcare might be another great option to be to be able to offer folk at the moment. Uh, lots of people still working from home with with their kids at home and perhaps uh, uh, it, an option for uh, for child support as part of their benefit, benefits package. Yes, indeed. Be, I think there's, there's numerous examples where we could make the whole thing a lot more useful to people rather than to have. And, you know, a lot of this is administrative and it brings us back to the system. You need some kind of a system to be able to have that infinite flexibility of choice. Without that system, without technology, you can't do it um, because we're all making a lot of assumptions. That's why we have grades. That's why we have standard packages. And I think in the future, we'll look back on these times and be amazed that we didn't offer people the kind of flexibility that they value. Yeah, and, and I guess as part of uh, the, the, the shakeup that's happened as, as a result of the the pandemic, uh, there'll be there'll be an opportunity for for companies in in coming months to be able to appeal to to new talent, and and a lot of that maybe comes from those who've traditionally been part of uh, the gig economy, and for companies to be able to be able to say to them, you know, uh, we, we've got a very flexible uh, way of, of rewarding and, and recognizing you. Could, could be the differentiator between them continuing to work for themselves or them joining 
uh, a huge company, a famous company like you know Unilever, for example. You don't have to be a full-time permanent employee to be part of the family. You know there are different kinds of relationships that you can embrace as part of the family, and therefore you need that flexibility. Okay, Caps, uh, one more question for you. It's a hard hitter before we wrap up today, and that's um, for both of you. Uh, how can our listeners connect with each of you, and how can they learn more about Uflex Reward and Unilever? Well, I'll go first, and then Ken can tell you a little bit about Uflex. I mean, I'm peter.newhouse at unilever.com. That's the easiest way to get in touch with me. I have, I am on LinkedIn, but I don't go in there very often, so that's not a very good way of connecting with me, but you're welcome to send me an email. Um, and, and the best way to connect with myself and Uflex Reward is, of course, via the website. So if you go on the website, um, you can sign in and uh, there's a really good video of what the product does. It only takes three minutes to view. Uh, we, we produced it actually for the Unilever board uh, and deliberately made it um, uh, uh, good for public consumption. So that, that gives you a, a, a really good insight into what the product does. Uh, you can get access to the war game there, and of course, you can um, you can send me questions or, or make contact uh, via that, or, or, or my email ken.charman at uflexreward.com. Yeah, I, I watched the video yesterday. It's fantastic. It explains a lot. Uh, we will be including that in the summary post, which will be going on the HR Gazette as well. Um, I have to admit, Ken and Peter, I did send you both LinkedIn connections yesterday, so I won't be offended if you uh, if you don't reply to those for a while. Well, certainly <laughs> for mine, don't, don't hold your breath, Bill, but I'll see what I can do. I really, it, it really should drive me into LinkedIn to uh, pick up some of that connection. <laughs> yeah, that's easy. It's okay. <laughs> That just leaves me to say for today, Ken and Peter, thank you so much for being guests on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Well, thank you, Bill. Yeah, thanks a lot, Bill. That was great. Thank you. And listeners, until next time, happy working and stay safe. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.